and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to A Court of Three Strands. We are in the middle of a season discussing the church, and we are finishing up a four-part series today on the work of the people. So thus far, we have discussed worship, evangelism, spiritual warfare, and today we plan to discuss care. Yes, care of God's people. So as God has sent his son, Jesus, our king, to establish his kingdom, we've talked about in the sociology of the church, who's in. Mm -hmm. So one of the duties, I guess, of the church is to care for those who are in the church. That sounds kind of obvious. So we're done now. I'm just kidding. That's a wrap. (laughs) That's a wrap. Yeah. So there's there's a, a new society that has begun in Christ. And so it is the task of the church to take care of its members. Mm-hmm. So uh, Alice and I were talking off the air uh, a little bit about, you know, what this means. And it's kind of, it's, it's this weird thing because uh, the word care will come up a lot in the epistles um, and in a bit, even um, in the teachings of Jesus. And yet the, the Greek word for each of those is, is not always the same. Um, but they all have the same general idea, and that is um, the the idea of paying careful attention to, mm-hmm. right? So, so the idea is when we when the elders are to care for the flock of God's people, it's the idea of they're to pay careful attention to them mm-hmm. or attune to their their needs, and you know, are they flourishing? Are they? Mm-hmm. Are they doing well? Are they in need of something? You know, that, that, I, that idea. Um, so the, the church has, um, the, the church has different ways in which it is caring for its flock. So, uh, and so there's different methods, right? So often when we talk about the care of God's people, I think we immediately think of physical needs, right? So, right. And that's part of it. So why don't we start with physical needs? Yep. Okay. So, um, so if you remember the story in Acts when the early church began, you had this situation where the elders or the, the apostles were actually taking care of the physical needs of God's people, the widows, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they were the, the complaint was is that the Hebraic um, Jewish Christian widows, you know, in other words, they're by name, they had Jewish names. Um, 
were getting well cared for, but the the widows that had Greek names, the you know by the their, Gentiles the, who'd been well, no, they weren't Gentiles. They okay. were actually still Jewish. They just had they were okay Greek named Jewish. They were being discriminated against. Interesting in the I early did not church. Know this. Did you know that? No. Yes. And, and so, um, so this is a complaint and, uh, and it, and it was true. So the, the problem was, is that you had the apostles are trying to do all this other stuff Mm -hmm. and they were having a hard time attending to the, the needs of this particular problem. So what they did was they, they ordained deacons, seven deacons who took care of um, the, the physical needs of others, including taking care of these widows. Uh, what's interesting about it, if you, if you read the, the, the text is all seven of the deacons they ordained all had Greek names. It was just, it was kind of funny just to make sure that, you know, Makes- everyone's going to get taken care of. Yes. They ordained seven, uh, you know, uh, Jewish men with Greek names. Uh, you know, Stephen and Philip are probably the two most, um, famous of the deacons, um, in there. But the, the idea was, and, and the, um, and in Acts we read that it is so that the elders or the apostles can take care of the preaching of God's word and prayer. And so the deacons were able to wait on tables or to, to do these other physical needs. So, um, so there's a, an ordained position or office within the church that is specifically meant to take care of the physical needs of of, of people, mm-hmm. um, and primarily the people within the congregation, within yes. the church. Uh, and so, you know, whether it's, they need money, whether they need uh shelter, uh, whether there's like, a uh, a need for, you know, getting a ride to the hospital or whatever, there's this oversight of the ministries within the congregation or that the ordained deacons would do. Mm-hmm. Um, so within within a, a local church, you know, in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three, we still have like at our church we we still have deacons. We have three ordained deacons, um, but then there's other volunteers, people that um, have a desire and gifting to do such things, though right. they might not be um, ordainable or or want that. <laughs> responsibility. They don't feel called mm-hmm. uh, to necessarily be a deacon, but they can be involved in that kind of ministry. Mm-hmm. It takes, it takes a lot of people to take care of a flock, God's flock. Right. So whether it's, uh, you know, like in our church, if there's, you know, a new mom, uh, we'll have a um, meal train right now that uh, I think the deacons might oversee that, but they don't really, they're not necessarily involved in that. Usually it's Whoever's in their small group just kind of does it. Right. You know, the, my wife tells me, oh, yeah, we need You need to take this meal over to so-and-so. Really? Oh, yeah, because they had a baby. Oh, I knew that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I was. <laughs> it was top of my mind. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, but it, that's kind of how it, it, yes. it happens. It's seeing the physical needs. Um, now, the, the issue, Allison, is I think... That when we think of care and what the church is doing, often we think of that as a ministry that's going to the outside world. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it, and that's, and that's okay to do. 
but it's not the primary responsibility. In other words, you have um, the care of God's flock is what's important. Mm -hmm. Now, people from outside our church, people who are not members of our church, who are not baptized believers attending our church regularly, will call us because we have an active deacon ministry. And they'll call us because, well, they're desperate. (laughs) And it is perfectly fine for the church to give them assistance, to give them money, to give them food or to whatever it is that they need. It's perfectly fine to do that. But this is not owed to them at all. It's called, here we go, mercy. Mm -hmm. The charity that is given is just that. It's a charity. It's given out of love and it is a mercy to them. Uh, Mercy is, they don't, they're getting something that they don't deserve because they're not part of God's family. Right. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so just think of it, think of your family. Um, Well, yours is different because you have like all those kids everywhere in your neighborhood who just probably show up to everyone's house and for snacks, for snacks. Right. (laughs) I'll use my family. (laughs) I'll use my family as an example instead, but, but, um, uh, my, my kids could be outside playing and then, uh, other neighborhood kids are playing and they might come in and say, you know, Mr. Young can have a glass of water. Well, I'd be happy to give him a glass of water. I don't have to give him a glass of water, but I'm a nice guy. I'm going to give him a glass of water. But none of those kids are going to come in and demand that I feed them food. Like, you need to feed me because I'm at your house. At your table. Yeah. You you don't. I'm not going to give you food because you demand it because you think I'm obligated to give it to you. Mm -hmm. That's that's just not how it goes. Mm -hmm. It's my family. Now, I'm obligated to feed my kids. Right. But I'm not obligated to feed you. If I feed you, it'll be on my terms. And, and it'll be because I have enough to give not just my own children, but also to you. And in general, as Christians, we're pretty generous people. Mm-hmm. We ought to be generous. There would be something wrong if I refused to, to give, right? right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem is, is that sometimes we think that we're obligated to continue to give uh, stuff to people who aren't part of our congregation. Right. And so the hierarchy of priorities would be our own first. Yes. And then those outside. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now I'm going to get even deeper. Here we go. And there's, a, there's also a higher priority. And that is that families are obligated to take care of their own family mm-hmm. um, rather than the church. In, in other words, in other words, uh, if my, you know, son uh, or or brother or something like that is part of our church and they're going through a rough time and they need money or they need food or they need a, a ride to the hospital or something like that, um, the idea is, is that the first line of help would be their own family. Mm-hmm. So it would be, I would be obligated as say it's my brother, I would be obligated to give to my brother money ahead of the church, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like mortgages, right? You have a primary mortgage. If you get a second mortgage on your house or a HELOC or something like that, that takes second position. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or, you know, or insurance, you have your primary insurance, then the secondary insurance, right? So, so the, the church always plays that secondary role. Mm -hmm. If, if, if there's a family member, they, they're obligated first Mm -hmm. and, and then the church. Yeah. And, and that goes with, with outside. So I, I, my dad was a pastor and he retired as a pastor. He went to a large church out in California um, in retirement and uh, they put him in charge of oversight of the deacons um, in this church. And, and the budget was astronomical. They were giving away a lot of stuff. And my, my dad was asking about follow-up there. There wasn't, they were just giving stuff away, which Mm -hmm. is fine. That's charity. You can do that. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. The, the problem is, um, what, what is it, what is our charity or our mercy to the outside world supposed to do? Right. Mm-hmm. So my, my dad talked about putting into place, and this is what he did with, with their churches. People are coming asking to be treated as if they're one of the family, right? as if they're part of the flock. So what you want to do is if you want to be treated like part of the flock, how can we help you come into the flock? Right. How can you, how can we help you become a part of our church? Mm-hmm. And um, generally uh, most of them didn't want anything to do with that. They mm-hmm. just wanted the cash or they just wanted the food. They just wanted the help and then never see me again mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, but that was, that became part of it. Like if you want to be treated like part of the flock, how can we make you help you become part of the flock? The other was, um, the question simply, do you have any family? And then the follow-up question, do they know that you need help? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, actually, I will say, um, in my term as a pastor also, I would say 99% of people coming to the church asking for help um, are estranged from their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have a sister or I have a brother or I have parent, my parents live so-and-so or, you know, place or something like that. And then the question is, do they know you need help? And, and they'd say, no, they don't. And I'd say, do, should we talk to them or can we contact them? And they would feel very uncomfortable because there's some sort of problem. And so the idea is, okay, if we're going to help people mm-hmm. or if we want to really help people, let's care for their needs. Um, if we want, if we choose, I, and I think that's a, especially if you have it, if you can take care of your own people and you have a leftover, mm-hmm. why not? Why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. But, but but help them either come into the flock or help them reconcile with their family. So I often would ask like, well, how come if you have a sister that's still living and your sister's in town or sister's in a neighboring town, um, why don't you want to talk to them uh, for help? And and there's usually some estrangement. Yeah. And the question is like, how can I help you reconcile with your sister or with your family member? And uh, again, unfortunately, 99% of the time, uh, they don't want that. They don't, they don't want to be reconciled. They just want stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, and you have a choice, like you just give it freely and say, here you go. God bless you. We're, we're doing this out of the goodness of our heart and we wish you well, Mm -hmm. but what we'd really like you to do is come back on Sunday and join us for worship. Yeah. Um, What we'd really like to do is help you be reconciled to your family. Um, on a rare occasions that does happen where they do start coming to church, uh, cause they received help. Um, uh, you know, sometimes they will pursue this reconciliation with family, but it's, 
unfortunately it's, it's rare. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more you, you work in that kind of field or in that, with that kind of need, um, it becomes easy to get cynical. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, so often what I recommend for churches and, you know, is, is this idea of, um, we can help anyone once and just tell them like, we'll give this to you and you don't have to pay it back. It's no, this is a gift. Yeah. God loves you. Here's a gift. It's free. Yes. We don't expect anything, but we would really love for you to come to church on Sunday and whether they do that or reconcile with their parent, anything, we just want to say, this is a gift and it's free because, mm-hmm. because that's what God did for us. Right. Um, but again, I just want to reiterate that what I'm talking about here is, is um, perhaps thinking through how you give to people outside the flock that that's not an obligation of ours. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a mercy. It's, I think we even call it at our church mercy ministries. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's mercy ministries. We're, yeah. we're, we're extending mercy to people. Um, not out of that obligation, but out of charity, yeah. out of love. Mm-hmm. Charity comes from charis, you know, love. Mm-hmm. agape, you know, in the Greek love. Right. So, um, that that's the idea. So, um, can I, can I say something? I feel like this is really practical because, um, it's just good to be reminded that caring for your own people is important Yes, and that it's good work. Yes. Um, because I think it's easy to sort of perceive that the care of those outside somehow is more important than our own. Like I think about that as a mom, yeah, you know, yeah, and and then also as a congregant, yeah, it's just a good reminder. Yeah, well, membership has its benefits. It does. <laughs> That's <laughs> a commercial, isn't it? What is that, American Express? I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. Wrong. <laughs> the Church of Jesus Christ. <laughs> membership has its benefits, right? Yeah. So I'm a member. You're a member of a church. Your church is obligated to help you to care for you to care for you. Yeah. Now here, here's the hard part. And I'm, cause I've been on both sides as a, both a congregant and as a pastor. Um, it's hard to know what people are expecting in terms of care. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mentioned there's many types of care and paying attention. So one we just mentioned was physical needs, but there's these other needs of spiritual needs or of, of, uh, Especially, I think the the big one for for a lot of pastors is uh, grief, right? Mm-hmm. You've lost a loved one, um, and everyone's different. So I remember as a pastor, um, you know, just being physically present with the grieving family mm-hmm. is so important, and you ought, want to do that, and you do that, uh, and then you're sitting there and you're wondering, how long do I need to? Be, how long should I be here? Yeah. I don't know. What do they need? What do they need? Yeah. Do they want me out now? Do they want me to stay? I, and so it's awkward. I ask questions. I feel it's one of those things. It's really awkward and weird. And, um, but you do it anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, the reason I'm bringing up this story is like, look, Ron felt very awkward and weird doing something God was calling him to do. Right. It's just awkward and weird and trained. I went to seminary. I did uh, clinical pastoral education in a hospital, mm. dealt with grieving things. And guess what? I tried and failed many times. It's just hard. It's just hard. Yeah. And so um, I think one of the things that 
happens is we know that there's someone grieving. It makes us feel very uncomfortable to go help in the first place. And second, when we we're invited into their suffering and trying to help them, we don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. And it's just completely awkward and hard. So do it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do it anyway. So if there's one lesson I learned as failing as a pastor is this. Um, it's better to do it more than less. It, it makes me think of G.K. Chesterton. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Correct. Yes. That applies here. It, it does apply. Yeah. So, and the idea is, is look, you have, and so, I mean, one of the questions, Alice, when Alice and I were kind of going over the episode, um, see, I'm stealing your thunder here. That's okay. I'm stealing Allison's thunder. <laughs> and, and that's because she asked me this question. So it sounds like most of this episode is about what the church is doing for its congregants rather than what the congregants are doing. Yes. And, and um, where do we end up on this? It's both. Yes, it's both. Yes. See, that was the thunder. I just blew it. She was supposed to ask me the question. I was supposed to go. Okay. Anyway, now that we're way off topic, the, um, no, we're not, we're on topic. The, the issue is the congregates are, have a responsibility to care for one another. Mm -hmm. It's not just the pastors uh, or the elders caring for people, um, entering into people's grief there. it, It needs to happen. It's very, it's very difficult. It's going to feel awkward. You're going to, you're going to mess. Don't allow your fear of messing up um, prevent you from just being there. Yeah. And, and often what happens is that we think that we're insufficient. Um, we, we don't have like, what do I have to offer? Well, you don't, you don't have, <laughs> right. See, this is, I mean, this is a trick. If you've ever lost someone that you loved um, a parent, a spouse, a child, it's, it's just dark. It, it gets, it's hard. And, um, when you're uh, the griever, all you're looking for is the presence of a person who cares. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. Right. Like I have nothing to offer except just to be there to say, I care about you. Mm-hmm. And if you need to cry, it's you okay. know. I'll get my wife and I'm just kidding. That sounded horrible. It's true though. I get very uncomfortable. Okay. But presence really matters to people. It means a lot. And it doesn't, it actually doesn't like the times that I have shown up for friends who have had loss throughout the seasons of my life. In hindsight, they will make comments like, man, I just, you, I really appreciated you in that season. And I'm like, I'm not even sure really what I did. I just was around. I was available yes. checking yes. in, you know, yeah. it doesn't actually take very much. Yeah. It's hard. I, so th- what's weird is I just a big admission. My wife was going to listen to this and laugh. I get uncomfortable when people are crying. I, it just is. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big feeler. Although in my old age, I cry a lot at movies now, just whatever. Um, but for whatever the reason is, I get a lot of people that just feel comfortable crying in front of me. They just, they'll come and they'll start talking and just crying right in front of me. And I, I guess I hide it really well. You do. The awkwardness yeah. about yeah. it, but it just happens <laughs> all the time. Um, what I've l- learned is, is that I don't need magic. Wor- I don't have magic words to help. 
I don't, I don't have anything I can pray. Um, but what you said, Allison is the the key is just being present. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you're not alone in this. We're here. Um, we care about you Mm -hmm. and we know this is hard. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've been trying to do and I'm bad at it and I'm, you know, if you know me personally, forgive me for this because I am bad at it is, um, I, I often, my, uh, I, I don't often remember a lot, right? It takes me <laughs> again, you can talk to my wife about, this. Hey, could you just on the way home, pick up this? Oh, sure. And then I totally forget. It just, it's just weird, but trying to remember, uh, people's grief and then be able to talk to them about it after it's all been, you know, the funeral was six months ago. Mm-hmm. The meal trains are done. People aren't coming over anymore, whatever, mm-hmm. to be able to, to remember that and, and to be with them. You know, when, when someone dies, who's close to you, it is normal. I mean, let me hear tell you this. It is normal to experience clinical depression for two years mm-hmm. for two years. We're Americans here and we get impatient after a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. right? So to be able for the first two years to be really mindful of the grief that people have. And, and here's the other part. And this is, this I know takes a lot of courage and I want to, I want to just ask you as, as my listeners, um, because we're trying to establish a, a Christian culture is to have the courage to bring up the departed by name. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, that you can, it's, you know, it used to, it used to bother me that you'd have someone within your congregation who was there weekend and week out for years. They were such a part of the congregation and then they pass away and then their name is never mentioned again mm-hmm. as if they're not part of the communion of saints anymore. Mm-hmm. So one of, one of the things that we did at our church is we celebrated, um, on All Saints Day, right on a Sunday, so every Sunday in November, there was a time in which we would uh, uh, thank God for the lives of people who were important, who have who have um, who have passed away. Um, and I would usually, as pastor, I would I would read aloud the names of those who have passed in that year. Mm-hmm. So I was saying their names right loud, and then I would then I would say something like that. And, uh, and these also, and just give some space for people to say aloud the names of their loved ones. Again, their name can be brought up again in the congregation because mm-hmm. they're still with, they're still in communion with the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're in the ch- church triumphant, not the church militant. Anyway, it, it's, um, and, be, and because we're Christians, we're people of faith. We know that this isn't, there is a life to come. Right. We have eternal life with our Lord and our loved ones are in the presence of the Lord. It's okay to talk about it, mm-hmm. to bring up their names, to, to celebrate, you know, yes. hey, I, hey, I sure miss so-and-so and that's okay. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I sure miss, I sure miss your husband. You know, I, I know it's been rough for you for the last, you know, couple of years, but I miss him. Mm-hmm. Just to say things like that is just a complete awesome thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, so, so two things. One is your pastor is a human being. 
and and I was in those shoes. It is very hard and awkward, and I know that they're doing their best. And if you are one of the ones grieving, it's okay to talk to your pastor about, hey, I I don't feel like I'm getting the care I need. Mm. What what's not good is six months later to yell at them because you feel like you've been somehow spurned by your pastor. Right. You know, cause the five times he met with you was not enough. You wanted six. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't know. Right. You just, so p- please, p- please. It's we're just, we're part of a family. It's okay to talk about it. Um, and so g- give grace to your pastor. Um, and, and, and it's okay to communicate. Mm-hmm. Your, your needs. The other thing is, is that, that, um, we have a whole body of believers and, and it doesn't have to be an ordained pastor that, that comes sit with yeah. you. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's one of those things. It's just awkward. And, and my, again, my advice is, um, suck it up. <laughs> and enter into the suffering and grief of others mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of the f- people of God there. We were obliged to do so because they're part of the family. Yeah. It's a duty. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard one. Um, it's a good one too. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I, I was thinking the other day just about death. Um, it sounds really morbid, but how much, okay. I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I have two daughter-in-laws who are um, ICU nurses and just think all the death that they face all the time. Mm-hmm. And both of them were in the ICUs in a major city uh, during COVID. And the amount of death that they dealt with was just striking to me. And I kept thinking when I did chaplaincy work as part of my seminary training, I dealt with death all the time. Like they called me chaplain of death because more people died in the hospital that day. Every time I was on shift, it was just weird, but I had the luxury of having um, a supervisor who would talk with me about it. Mm -hmm. And we had a kind of a group of all these seminarians who were going through the same thing to talk about it, to, to, you know, what, what kind of feelings this brings up and, and just um, to, to process this, being a part of it and, and how like in their cases, these uh, as nurses, they don't have that at all. Right. They just do their shift and go home. It's work. It's work. Yeah. And I can't, I can't fathom that. And it, and it just made me think more about how our world, um, you know, the year 2023, uh, we try to hide death all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even, even, you know, we went through COVID and a lot of people died. Right. And uh, for a lot of people, it, it never, it didn't affect them or their family. You know, mm-hmm. well, I got COVID. It was no big deal. But a lot of people died in a short amount of time. Right. Extra. And, um, you know, we end up talking a lot about mask wearing or about shutdowns. And the fact is there are a lot of people still grieving or still having a hard time with death of the church of Jesus Christ should be one of the places because we have such hope in Jesus Christ that can talk about death, that can process it, that can help 
you know, they're nurses or doctors or other care people who are still grieving because of that. There should be a space in the church just to, just to talk about it, mm-hmm. support one another, um, th- that type of thing. So um, I, I think we talked in one of our episodes about hymns, right? One of the things I love about hymns is that a lot of times there'll, there'll be hymns that talk about our death. Right. And when I die, like how we need to, we need to, we need to talk about it and sing about it more mm-hmm. that death is part of life. It's normal. And, um, and of, of all the places on our, in our community, the, the church should be really good at, um, grief. Yeah. And loving people. And loving it. people. Yeah. All right. So now there's another aspect. So I, we talked about physical needs. Yeah. We talked about grief. Uh, another one is, is simply that people need to be fed the word of God. And one of the greatest care uh, a pastor gives its congregation is the preaching of God's word. Mm -hmm. The preaching of God's word is what's going to strengthen us. It's going to direct us. It's going to encourage us. It's going to, it's going to help. It's just the number one thing. This is the, this is the food. We don't live by bread alone, right? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. And, and so one of the things that we should we need to do as members of the church is to make sure that we're we're going to church that we're listening intently on the scriptures being read and on the sermon and that we're 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 um this is the pastor t- tending to us mm-hmm. and and so we we need to listen and receive the word um, to say yes to it, to investigate it. One of the things I love about our church in in our small groups um, is that we we talk about we go over the sermon. We, so we reread the scripture that was read that day. We talk about the sermon. We want it helps us to remember and uh, and to, we talk about how we apply it. We pray about it, um, and, and it just yeah. it just helps. Um feel like that nutrition that we're getting is really mm-hmm. uh, settling in. I yeah. Guess you yeah. You're say. sort of digesting it or. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that the, so part of the job of elders then in the care of God's flock is not only to make sure that the, the preaching of God's word is happening, mm-hmm. but also to make sure that the flock is coming. <laughs> And, uh, and so, you know, if, again, if your church doesn't have membership or they really don't keep track of it, if you just, you know, that's, that's not good, right? The, the, the elders of a congregation should be, um, making sure that people are attending. We, we go through the roles as a, as a session and, you know, if people haven't been around, we'll try to find out where have you been, you know, how can we help? And, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, you're you know, because of this or that, you're going somewhere else. Well, let's transfer your membership or let's, we're going to take you off our rolls because you're getting fed here. Mm-hmm. Or if there's some sort of uh, issue that there needs to be reconciliation, let's make sure that happens. If there's just sin happening, let's make sure. And that's part of care, right? How are we paying mm-hmm. attention to the flock of God? What are our members doing? What are their needs? You right? know, so mm-hmm. we, we need to, 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 that needs to be addressed. 
That's a big job. Yeah, it's not the funnest. I wouldn't want that job. I'm glad I can't have that job. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's just it's sometimes it's hard conversation. Um sometimes it's just negligence. You know, they they got in the, out of the habit of yeah, going to church, they just need to get in the habit again. Um you you're you know, and then there's you know, personal complaints about this or that, you know, whatever. And again, here we go. These are things that we should be comfortable talking about. Mm -hmm. We're, we're a family. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, we're the, we're God's flock. Um, We care for one another. And uh, you, you might have totally legitimate reasons to want to move on somewhere else, Mm -hmm. or you might have completely um, horrible reasons why you're staying away. And it, we need to talk about it. Clean it up. And let's clean it up. Yeah. Just repent and come back. Yes. How hard is that? People just repent and come back. I don't understand. I just don't understand why the, the, the Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. And the church is such a gift to us. Mm-hmm. It is so wonderful. Why would, why would people stay away? Like, why would you let your sin keep you away? Just repent. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Just come taste and see that the Lord is good. Repent and come. All right. So if you're not going to church, just repent and start going. Mm-hmm. How hard is that? That's my message today. Repent and just come. Why do we? I don't know. Now you might be going, wow, you, you sound very enthusiastic about the church. Well, because it's so good. Why? Well, membership has its benefits, right? Yes. It's so good. Uh, the, and, and my guess is that either uh, there's one of two things. It might be that the, the flock that you're only nominally a part of uh, isn't that great. Or maybe even a more likely reason is your heart's not right. So. Perhaps that's a good place to start is examining your heart. Why don't I feel such enthusiastic about going to church? Why, why would I see that as a, a drag rather than a, a blessing? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. So examine your heart first before you start thinking about maybe I should just go look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's my. Can you, can you just give a little short discussion on. Let's say you think you need to make a church change. Yes. How is that done well? That excellent question. I, I think it can be done well by simply going and talking to your elders. Go talk to your pastor. Like, here's what I'm thinking. This this doesn't seem to fit me or this doesn't seem to work. And so I you might even ask him, is there some place that you think would be a better place for me to go? Mm. Right? That I, this is going to sound really weird, but I think almost every pastor that I know in our area, if they had a congregant who said, I'm not, I'm not real happy with the church. This is why mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking of maybe looking elsewhere. Would you have, would you have a, a recommendation for me? I, I think about a hundred percent of the pastors I know would actually give a recommendation because mm-hmm. our, our desire is 
really to, to help. Right. Uh, so yeah. Jacob's well, that's our church is not the church of Jesus Christ in green Bay. Right. Right. We're a church. <laughs> one of many. We're one of many. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would say that, um, so that would be a good place to start. The second, um, in that is, is that you, you might want to, um, advocate for, you know, Hey, can we do it this way? I don't know that it, it all depends. There's so many reasons why people right. might give some of them, some of them might be petty, mm-hmm. but some of the, some of the things that I might think are petty are not petty to you because there's a history in it mm-hmm. that I'm not aware of. Right. Right. I don't, you know, I, do we have to, do we have to do this thing this way because it, right. And you go, well, that's really petty. This is, well, then I, what I don't know is that you, you were going to some place where there was this abuse happening and mm-hmm. th- this, every time it comes up, it's triggering things, you know, I, do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There, there are reasons that seem petty, maybe even to you that are, are, are not petty. We just don't know. So I, you know, it's, what we have to do is we need to love each other enough to be gracious to one another right. and to say, it, this is, um, we, we should do it. My, my thing is if you allow yourself to get really hooked in the church, you're going to love the people so much that you would moving, you know, thinking about going to a different church would just be like a, I mean, that would be like a life altering decision. Right. And that's how it should be. Yeah. And this isn't saying that you can't make life altering decisions. I'm just saying that if there's, there's gotta be a pretty good reason why you're wanting to move from one church to another. Yeah. Now I think there are some things, if your church is not preaching God's word, if your church is uh, heretical, <laughs> that's another, um, if your church is, um, you know, uh, not, doesn't have any kind of discipline in it. Um, th- those are pretty valid reasons to just go find a church that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, my, my suggestion would be f- the first step would be go talk to your pastor, to your elders mm-hmm. about why it is that you think you need to find another church. Mm-hmm. And then that would be the, st- the start. Mm-hmm. Because they might go, oh, you know, we've been thinking about doing this change and there's been others like you've brought this up. Maybe we should do it. Right. But if people just silently just leave, then nothing good comes out of it. Right. It's not very helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't make a stink out of it either. You know, don't you're, you're leaving because they decided to change the style of worship, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like I am a big traditional liturgy guy. I go to a church that doesn't do that. I have great preferences for something else. Um, but my question is, is that a preference issue or is that a theological issue? And if it is a theological issue, is it in terms of sin or not? Or not? And if it's not sin, it's just, you know, an emphasis in a different direction than I like. Is that enough for me to go? I'm out of here. Right. You, you know, there's, yeah. there's those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so I, I, there is no perfect church in terms of, um, you know, that's going to just check every one of your boxes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, suck it up and go to church. I'm just kidding. Yeah. 
And it's wonderful. It is wonderful. It is. Church is wonderful. Yeah. It's yeah. And that's the idea. That's the work of, so to some, uh, work of God's people, right? We're, we're to worship, you know, ascribe worth to our King. Uh, that's that liturgy we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're to evangelize. We're to share the gospel with the world and teach them about the King and what he has done. And we talked about that in the evangelism episode, their spiritual warfare. Um, there really is the flesh and the devil and the, the, the world that are our enemies mm-hmm. and there's spiritual welfare or warfare that happens. And as God's people, we, we need to be truth tellers. Uh, we need to be engaged in prayer, uh, you know, lifting up, uh, people, uh, and circumstances and things to the Lord. Uh, and then, and then final there's, there's, we have a responsibility and obligation to care for the flock of God. And it's not just the pastors and deacons. It's all of us are responsible for caring for one another, paying attention to one another, uh, helping. Um, and we're obliged to do that to God's flock, but we can also, it is our privilege to extend mercy to those outside. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we do that, um, it is, we have to understand that it, that's what it is. It's mercy. Mm-hmm. We're not obliged to help. We are doing it out of love. And what we want them to do is if we're going to treat them as one of God's uh, flock, let's help them come in. Invite them in. Invite yeah. them in. Mm-hmm. They might not accept that. That's fine. Um, and help them to reconcile because most everyone's economic problems probably come from um, broken relationships. Mm-hmm. and so. So help them at least uh, be open to helping them establish relationships again with their family. Um, that's, that's my, that's my, uh, that's what I got to say. It's good. It's good discussion. <laughs> good discussion. All right. So we have a few more episodes left. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk about the covenant we're going to talk about eschatology, and then I think we have a th- three more and a third one. Yeah, that I don't remember what we're talking about, but I'm sure it's going to be excellent. It's going to be the best one. It's going to be the best one. Yeah. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs>